Hey guys, welcome to episode 35 of The Green Life. I'm really excited about today's episode where we dive into a raw conversation into feelings, spiritual growth, and food, of course. But before we get there, a big shout out to my sponsor, Nama Well. The Nama J2 juicers are the new kids on the block when it comes to cold-pressed juicing at home. The Nama J2 is beautiful to look at, easy to use, easy to clean, and trust me when I say the juices taste amazing. Amazing. If you want to upgrade as well, you can go into the show notes for the link and my discount code for 10% off. Okay, back to the episode. Today I have a beautiful guest, Bella Mahaya Carter. Bella is passionate about writing and healing and really her work is a testament of her own journey. Going from a caterpillar to a butterfly who is now spreading her wings, helping other writers, artists and healers navigate work and life from the inside out. In addition to teaching, she loves coaching new and established authors. And her new book, Where Do You Hang Your Hammock, is a beautiful resource for writers if you want to get out of your head and onto those pages. Today we're going to talk about the other book, Raw, My Journey from Anxiety to Joy. And it's such a beautiful journey and I really recommend this book because it is so relatable. But before we get into the conversation, I just want to share a little bit more about Bella's because her background is so eclectic, I love it. She studied dance at Juilliard, then she went to study cinema and screenwriting at the University of Southern California, and then she went to get herself a degree in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. I think everything fits perfectly together, and even with her personality and her beautiful light. So I'm really excited about this conversation. Without further ado, let's get there. Welcome, Bella. Hi, Bella. Thank you so much for joining The Green Life today. How are you? Oh, I'm really well. Thank you for having me, Chantal. My pleasure. You are really inspiring. Um, so I didn't get to know you too long ago. I must say I stumbled upon you um, on Fully Raw Christina's website. I kind of uh, applied for her inner circle. And so because I'm learning a lot more about raw food and she had an interview with you and I absolutely loved it. So I immediately got your book or your books and um, the book Raw really talked, spoke to me. And I thought I need to have you on the show. I love the book is not just about food, but it goes really into raw emotions and at different levels. So you really broke it down into the food, into the body, the spirit and the mind. And it's, it's, it's just the way that we are meant to look at our health. And I love holistic approaches to health. So you nailed that that way. And I love that it's a, such a personal experience and you didn't really hold any punches. You wrote about how you felt. And I also love that every time I read a word and I read, I read a scene, I can see it. That's a, that's a really, I think, a testament to a very good writer. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's lovely. It's really lovely of you to say that. Thank you. It's the truth. So if people don't know you and they kind of now wanting to learn a little bit more, let's just give them a little bit of your story, which is also very fascinating. And you can in intertwine to your journey into your book, obviously, because this is really what it's about. Yeah, well, uh, sometime, maybe it was, I'm trying to think how long ago, maybe 20 years ago, I had chronic stomach problems. And the only thing my doctor could do was prescribe medication. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I really want a cure, not a cover up. I knew that the medication might mask the symptom or might in help the symptoms, but I thought I really want to cure this. And, th and it made sense to me to think, well, if I'm having problems with my stomach, shouldn't I think about what I put into it? 
And so I started reading. I, re I read lots and lots of books and I discovered that people were curing all kinds of maladies with a raw food diet. And it seemed very extreme to me. And I was afraid to do it, didn't want to do it, you know, hemmed and hawed. But the truth was I had exhausted my possibilities with the doctor and I was desperate. So I said, okay, well, I'll try this. And I tried it and amazing things began to happen. Um, the, the, the lines on my face started going away. I had toenail fungus that disappeared. Uh, I had more energy than I'd had in years. So it was really, really great. But it wasn't after like six months of doing this, it wasn't the panacea that I had thought that it would be. And I thought, well, you know, maybe there's more healing to, to go. Like what would, like maybe there's a mental component to my physical distress, which was still manifesting as pressure in my chest and, and just stomach discomfort. So I thought, well, okay, what would a raw food diet for the mind look like? And then around this time, I heard about this master's degree program in spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica. And I went to an information evening and they were asking questions like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And I was realizing that at the age of 40, let's sit like 40-ish, I had felt like a failure in my life. I felt like I hadn't really accomplished the things that I thought I should by this time in my life. And I was just, it just kind of made me aware of a, a lot of thinking that I had that was interfering with me showing up in the world in the way that I really wanted to show up. And so that was kind of like, that was the mental, and there was also a spiritual component to that. Um, and then there were actually mystical experiences that happened later on. But that was the beginning. Uh, the original subtitle of the book was A Midlife Quest for Health and Happiness. Um, and, and I learned throughout the process of writing the book that I was struggling with anxiety. It was kind of very low level anxiety. And it wasn't until my, we had five family deaths in three years and I was executor of my mom's estate when it, it actually just came, I just had a full on anxiety disorder. I was afraid to leave my house. Like the anxiety just went from like this quiet little percolating thing underneath what was going on in my life to an explosion. So it really has been quite a journey to understand myself and to heal myself. And that journey began with what I put into my mouth. What was I eating? How was I fueling this body container of mine? Yeah. So your book starts actually with the body, but I would like to do, to go first into the other two um, uh, chapters. Right. Uh, one, one reason is, I feel that uh, well, what we put in what we put in our body is super important, of course. And um, but I relate also to the other aspects because a lot of times we do what's um, in front of you, which is well, I eat all the time, so I eat every day, so I better eat it right, and I'm fixing my diet, and you sort out so many things. But then at some point, the dark night of the soul comes, and that's because you haven't addressed a lot of other stuff that was within. So I know a lot of women that are listening to the podcast are going through that now. And I learned from Dr. Northrop that we go through that uh, as we start perimenopause in our early 40s and it can become can happen earlier. Um, for me, it happened last year, two years ago, um, where I just hit the wall 
And not only did I stop looking after myself uh, with my food, I was eating a vegan diet, but very just processed food for the most part, even, or even if I was eating at home, it was like, you know, lots of pasta. I went kind of back to my childhood comfort foods as my grandmother is Italian. So she's like, you know, pasta all the time. And, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I kind of really didn't feel well. And, um, and then all these emotions started coming out and I still am working through them. So I think a lot of people be will benefit from actually looking at that um, at the same time. Now, I'm not saying that you have to look at that first if you're not nourishing yourself with your food, because I think if we're not clean inside, we can't create pathways in our brain. We don't feel well. Our digestive system is not healthy and we can even have anxiety because of that. But if you can take me through the emotional part and um, what it was like for you to have that haha moment that I'm like, oh my gosh, I really need to address this and how am I going to do it? Well, I, I have to say that I was distracted by, by something that you said. My mind just sort of went right to it. So, so let's pause on the question for a moment and, and just look at this, this idea about not being clean inside. Mm. That's really interesting. That's interesting language to me. And I think on a psycho-spiritual level, what I learned, which really helped a lot, is that um, my natural state is clean mm. and you know whatever however you interpret that word clean I'm, I'm using it in the sense of my natural state our natural state is love mm. and then our psychological state you know that's where the problems get caused but the solutions happen on a spiritual level mm -hmm. the problems happen on a psychological level so what what that means is that the mind gets very busy and it, uh, it tells us a lot of stuff. And what happened for most of my life was that I didn't know my mind was doing that. So I was fused with my thinking. Mm -hmm. So that means that all of my insecure thought, and there was tons of it, all of my doubts, all of my fears, just so much mental activity, you know, and because I'm, you know, I'm an imaginative person, right? We actually, I think we all are imaginative, imaginative. So I would make up stories and I would scare myself. And I think that the biggest um, healing for me occurred when I began to understand that that all of that insecure thought that I had, it was just insecure thought. It wasn't me. It wasn't true. It wasn't my essence. You know, my essence is clear, clean, light, love. And so, so then the question becomes, well, how come that's not my experience in my life? How come that I'm not feeling that all the time? And it really is, I think, because of the, all of the mental activity that, that just hijacks us. Mm. Yeah. So if, you, if I didn't answer your question, feel free to rephrase it. <laughs> no, that was actually a very good introduction to the question. Um, the answer to the question because uh, from that I would like you to then develop into your experience like the first thing that you you looked into and then you know the the connection that you started making that making from the point of your haha moment I'm not sure I understand your question so maybe you could be a little more clear in terms of you know at what stage in the journey because the yeah. journey took place over many years so when you, the first time you looked into the spiritual, the spiritual part, when you realized oh. that you were grieving, 
what was the that you had this grief inside that you had this pain that you had this loss that you haven't really processed what was the first thing that you went into and then from there what was the next connection uh so you know like how did the de- develop into this really deep dive into your spirituality because obviously you didn't go straight to the the center of it you had to start and putting this the, the- yeah i really that's that's a great question thank you i understand that now um i think the first step really was this question what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail because I had all these dreams. I had all these things I wanted to do. I wanted to write. I wanted to speak. I wanted to um, teach. I wanted to coach. And I just, um, I don't know. I just didn't have the confidence. I didn't believe in my, I, I just had, a, I had a lot of fear. I mean, I did some really cool things, but I just didn't show up and that wasn't showing up in the way that I really wanted to show up, the, in the way that I felt called to show up. Mm-hmm. So... Asking that question, what what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail, you know, was one thing. But then, like, the answer to that question is there is no such thing as failure. There are only opportunities for growth. Mm. And then I started approaching life with a learning orientation. So whenever things got difficult, I would say, well, what if this is my teacher? And I would ask, how can I love this too? Mm. How can I love myself while I'm in this crappy situation that I'm not really enjoying, but what is there for me to learn here? And that shift of perspective, life is, you know, life is a big school. We're in life school. Mm-hmm. And what am I here to learn? And maybe I can quit judging myself and quit thinking I'm not good enough which has been, you know, which, which for me personally has just plagued me my whole life. I grew up with this idea that if I wasn't outstanding, I didn't deserve to exist, which is ridiculous. And yet, you know, it's old, it's, it's old, it's ancient, it's inherited. It's, you know, and it is prevalent in our society. Yeah, exactly. Um, that I was going to say so many of us feel that way because of the programming that we have. It's like if you're not busy all the time, you're not productive, which we know if you dive into, I'm going to say spirituality as well. We are meditating. When you're meditating, you're not technically doing anything other than going inwards. And that's very productive because you're making space for then the next step to be clearer, calmer, to be more grounded. Um, and I feel, you know, from your demeanor, you are there like you you are very grounded through you know it's it's a beautiful energy that just comes through and uh-huh. it comes through the pages in your book as well because it, you sh- you can see the struggle through the journey and then that moment where you're like I need to go inwards and this feels good so I have a question about Wait, what, before your question yeah, can I, I say something can I respond to what you just said because of course said so much just there. I, wow. I, I just love your, I love you. I just really love you. I love the way you think. I love your, this is awesome. So um, there were two things that you said, you talked about meditation as going inward. And I just wanted to kind of um, add to that, mm. that I think of meditation as quieting my mind so that I can experience my essence. Mm. Um, because, because again, the mind is so busy that it just is distracting. Yeah. 
And do you feel like your essence is quiet? Do you feel like your essence is quiet? Oh, my essence is absolutely quiet. My mind is crazy. <laughs> yeah. My mind never stops. My mind, and that's why I laughed when you, you know, talked about, oh, you're so grounded. And, you know, I think in some ways, yes, that's true. I'll agree with you. But, but you should see the struggle, you know, I mean, like, I am a work in progress, you know, and um, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that this conversation is, is moving in the direction of the spiritual, because when I was working on this book, and I was shopping the, the book proposal, people wanted me, agents and editors wanted me to um, be a raw food expert. Mm. And I, I felt like that wasn't me. Like, that's not what I'm here to teach. That was part of my journey to, you know, like I was just doing what I had to do to get here. But, but, but really what I'm here to teach is something um, much more spiritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, exactly. That's what came to me when I read your book and, um, and, you know, when we go into the food parts, we can talk about how the food su supports that. But I, to me, that's what jumps out of the pages, you know, like you're, you're diving into and exploring into that research of inner self and growth. That's really what it's about because ultimately that's where you had to deal with a lot of inner struggles that food couldn't, couldn't sort out. So, right. and I think it's all about, so when you said, you know, society puts so much pressure and we have that again, that kind of messaging all the time that we have to be busy. We have to be achieving things, being whatever path you choose to be in, whether you're a banker or you're a writer or a chef, you have to do these grandiose things. Otherwise you're a failure. That is just putting us in a place where we're not even reaching our potential because our minds go where you feel like I, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. This is not, you know, look at that person. He's doing so much more and our paths are so different. And so, specific to us in our journey so that we can affect the people around us in a certain way so what you have done now you produced something that can help other people because the things that are in the book are really they resonate to anybody that is looking within and looking for something deeper so I can totally see that that's where you feel called because you know that's the stronger part of our of our path on on this planet because eventually we leave and when we leave what is our impact it's not going to be you know, the beautiful cakes you made or <laughs> the the thousand books you read, you wrote is going to be, how did I impact other people? Where? Yeah. yeah. And also as you're talking, I'm thinking that for, it seems to me that the real struggle is to just be fully present. Mm. Yeah. And to, um, you know, really be in the moment and the moment is always creative. Mm. it's something you know every moment is a new moment we haven't lived it before and it's creative you know but we try at least I try you know in my fear and in my um angst you know I try to control it I try to manage it I try to you know just make things go my way you know and I'm like constantly grappling and struggling and resisting what is and that, you know, that over the last few years, uh, the lesson of surrender has really, I remember one time, like, um, there was a time, I don't remember when, when this was, but I was just, everything felt very chaotic. And in my meditation practice, one day I heard, I didn't hear it like I hear, like you hear voices, but I just got a very clear message. And the message was, slow down. And I was like, but I don't want to slow down. Like, I'm, you know, I'm having fun. I'm doing things. I'm busy. You know, it's good. But 
but I also knew, even though there was a part of me that was resisting that message, a part of me felt like, wow, that is great wisdom. Slow down. And then, and then the next day I got another message and it was kind of like, it all happened. It unfolded in like a week. It was slow down, let go, stop fighting and trust life. Hmm. And I keep returning to those simple instructions. Yeah. Slow down, let go, stop fighting, trust life. Wow, I mean, if I could do that, I could just, I could do anything, you know, and it's a process and a practice. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, you know, I don't know if you were also raised Catholic, um, yeah, <laughs> so you'll relate to this. So I was, and I always felt so oppressed by the the structure that wasn't connecting us to the most high. But when you say those words, you know, like slow down, let go, trust. And that's exactly what he does. That's exactly what he says, because he has, he has a, he's got everything under control. He's like, I know exactly what your purpose is. If you let me speak to you, you will be able to hear it. You'll be able to fulfill it. Stop trying to do what your mind says, what society says. So when you say those words, that's exactly what I saw because this is the things that I, I every day in my meditation, I remind myself to listen to those words, same guidance, um, you know, because I do get also very caught up in my head and the things that I need to do. I'm a very practical person. So I'm yeah. just like, I have to do five things out of 10 <laughs> and then right. I'm exhausted. <laughs> right. right yeah and and so yeah what you said there is just boom and and this is another reason why a lot of people don't understand that spirituality and our creator are one thing and the religion doesn't reflect that but it's a shame because that that means also that they lose the opportunity to listen to this higher voice this higher calling of some of the sick presence that not only created us but loves us unconditionally and as you said at the beginning our state of being is pure love right? Because we're him, we're part of him. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, Uh, go ahead. I was just thinking of that uh, famous uh, piece of scripture, which is the kingdom of God is within. Mm. And I I don't even, I don't know, like I haven't really studied scripture much. Maybe it was Jesus who said that. I'm not sure. I'm sorry for those of you who have studied scripture, but, um, but the kingdom of God is within. Yeah. You know, And, and what that means to me is that each one of us have like our essence is God. Yeah. It, and what it, and what that means to me is is love. Mm-hmm. And when when we actually you know connect with that place, so much is possible. But most of the time, we're just busy. You know, like with religion, you know, there's all sorts. There's rules and there's you know, social faux pas. And I mean, there's just restrictions. And, you know, so religion isn't, you know, it's not necessarily spirituality. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it, I think religions try and some, and, you know, I mean, I can remember, you know, as a, when I was a Catholic child, um, God just seemed like this, you know, kind of powerful, judgmental, scary, person in the sky you know like yeah. I didn't I although well actually I have to I have to I have to change what I'm saying here because I always knew that there was something 
magical or miraculous inside of me that was safe and loving and um, appealing. And maybe at times I attributed that to God. I knew it was not, I knew it was bigger than me. I knew it wasn't me. I knew it was something large and you know, like universal, like we, we must all have this. But I don't necessarily think, like when I went to church, I was more concerned about, I was more concerned about being judged mm. for sins and being afraid. Although, you know, that too isn't entirely true because there certainly were moments when I was in church as a kid maybe when I was singing, you know, liturgical music, which I love, um, when, when maybe I did feel it, but it's really, it's not about the thinking of it. It's about the feeling of it. It's about knowing it in a visceral way. And when I say it, I'm referring to knowing who we really are on a visceral level and that we're not these bodies. We're something much bigger Absolutely. I'm sorry for the dogs in the background, by the way. Um, I Yeah, you, you nailed it. And with the danger of going into a, a, a discussion about religion, I think I understand exactly what you mean. And in, internally, we feel that connection because we are part of him. But of course, the structures around him must, must put, a, put a preconception in our mind about what is what, you know, who, how he is. And, and uh, I think I experienced that too, um, which is why I, I had to leave religion and really just find my path, um, which took me back to reading scriptures not long ago. Uh, but I also dove into actually more esoteric scriptures, which are not included in, uh, in the Bible that religions use but actually are very much part of it and are even mentioned in the bible so um it's a very interesting journey but i think that really allowed me to dive into what they call new age in a way that i actually understand what it means um and it has brought so much more stability in my heart and my in my soul than anything has done before even if i you know i'm a yoga teacher i used to teach yoga and say the right things but sometimes i just didn't feel it until i did this inner work well i, I think hitting the wall for you it was, you know, having this stomach problem and really having to dive deep. And for me it was making myself sick, having a nervous breakdown and really just take, putting myself together again, exploring and going yeah. within and making some very hard choices. For me it was, you know, having to cut some ties with family, um, some family members that, you know, you can love someone, but you just don't um, necessarily are on the same vibrational level at this point in your life. And so you have to really let go um and let go and trust the process um but yeah it's been unfolding that way um but before we i i will we go to food because eventually we have to go to food i really that's my my you know my my bread <laughs> pun intended uh, <laughs> i don't know i'm beginning to wonder like I'm, I'm thinking there's more to there's more to what you have to say than food obviously <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah yeah of course but a lot of people are here to actually lis listen to the the raw food as well and i really want to talk about that because it's a beautiful journey i'm on as well um but there was one scene into your uh, in your uh, book and i call scene because I was seeing it uh, you were looking for this uh, holistic psychiatrist which is something I never came across and I would love you to elaborate a little bit what is an holistic psychiatrist and what was your experience with it well uh well what I 
you know, I believe in holistic healing. I believe that healing on, on the bo- on the level of the body also involves the mind and the spirit. And one of my pet peeves with traditional psychology, you know, I have a master's degree in spiritual psychology. And one of my pet peeves with psychology is that the root of the word psychology is psyche, which means soul. Mm-hmm. And yet traditional psychologists, they, the, they're not trained to include the soul in the equation of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's problematic. Uh, sort of the same thing with medical professionals. And since I was struggling mentally and I was thinking maybe a psychiatrist would be a good idea, I know that psychiatrists, well, I don't, I mean, in my experience, psychiatrists tend to prescribe medications that can be helpful, but I knew that wasn't my path. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. I, I knew that this, the anxiety that I was experiencing, which was debilitating, I was afraid to leave my house, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and I, you know, my doctor prescribed Xanax, but I had known people who had gotten addicted to those kinds of drugs. And so I really looked at my anxiety and as uncomfortable as it was, I I tried to approach it as, you know, what can I learn? What is this here to teach me? And, um, but I thought if I could find a psychiatrist who had a holistic background, uh, that would be helpful. That would be good. And I found somebody but we, it turned out to be a terrible match. Oh, no. Yeah, it was really, um, yeah, we just kind of didn't like each other. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just, I, I would leave his office in tears, like, but not like healthy tears, but just because I felt like he didn't see me, he didn't listen to me, he didn't understand me. He was making assumptions about me that didn't feel true. It just really was a mess. So, uh, so I actually, that led me to someone else and then to someone else. And I, and I found the help that I needed, but you know, all the while I understood that. And, and I think this is really important for people looking for any kind of help, you know, whether you're looking for a writing coach or you're looking for a therapist or whatever you're looking for, you're in the driver's seat. Hmm. I was in the driver's seat. And again, I had to be very connected and tuned in to my inner, to my essence, to that part of me that is divine, that part of me that knows, because there is a part of all of us that knows. And when we cultivate our trust in the part of us that knows, we stop running around like chickens with our heads cut off, looking for other people to tell us what to do. And we get guidance our, from our own inner wisdom and we make decisions from there and learning how to do that has saved my life mm. yeah oh yes I'm in yeah I think most of us can say when we listen to that intuition when we stand still and really hear our 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 inner calling our inner voice magic happens absolutely yeah. Absolutely. And it's so easy to give away our knowing, Mm. to give it away, to look to other people. It's so easy. It's so tempting. It's what we're trained to do. You know, other people are experts. Other people have all this knowledge. But I knew, I knew after, you know, I knew the first time after I left his office crying, I was like, oh, this isn't good. But I went back it happened again. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. You know, and I finally just said to him, this isn't good. 
but it but sometimes it can be really hard to to listen to that small voice because it's small and and it's quiet mm -hmm. and so if our minds are busy which they are that's like the nature of a mind. They tend to be very busy. You know, they're trying to figure so much out. There's so much going on. It's it's busy in there. Yeah. That's the point of meditation. Yeah. To slow that down, to readjust the focus, you know, to quiet the mind so the soul can speak. So the and well, the soul is always speaking. It's more like quiet the mind so you can hear what the heck is the soul is saying to you. Yeah, I'm going to make you laugh, hopefully. But um, I kind of relate to that experience. I had this, uh, I started seeing this coach when I was having a hard time online. Uh, so it was during lockdown. And um, she kept on talking about my inner child, which I appreciated because it's true. I had to go down and, and do a little bit of uh, digging into my childhood to see what that little child was needing and was coming through into my adulthood. But she had a way to really peel me off. And then she kept on saying, but no, it's because you are not listening to the, my, your inner child. I'm like, no, I'm listening to my inner child. And she's even upset with you. Like, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you and I cannot work together. This is not going to, my inner child is going to kick me because you're just pissing her off. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh no. But it took me a while. And I was like, why am I leaving these coaching sessions so angry? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I think actually that's a great point that I want to mention. And that is that we can trust the feeling. Mm -hmm. The mind will make up all kinds of stories. It'll, you know, but, but at the end of the day, like, you know, our bodies are our barometers. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're feeling like, no, then it's a no. Yeah. No matter who, you know, like no matter what the mind is ruminating over or imagining or trying to figure out, you know, the body knows and really more specifically the heart, mm -hmm. man, if you can tune into your heart, I mean, I often just place my right hand on my heart, my left hand on my belly and I close my eyes and I just try to just kind of zero in and just like say, you know, okay, heart, what do you have for me? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm here and I am listening. I am listening. I have this thing I keep on my bulletin board near my desk and it just says, listen, listen. Mm. listen. And I feel like really uh, at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day that, and throughout the day, that is my challenge and that is my joy and that is my opportunity throughout whatever, whatever I'm going through. That's, that's what I'm learning. Absolutely. And while you had to do all this work, obviously, inner work and hard work, did you get support from your family? Um, you know, your husband, super, your child? Yeah, I have a super supportive husband. Beautiful. And, um, and I do have a pretty supportive family just overall, I would say. Um, yes. Uh, and... Um, Yeah, I would say yes. Brilliant. I was supported. I mean, I guess I'm hesitating because I wasn't like, <laughs> this is just, I think, a truth of life. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're not supported 100% of the time. At least I was. I mean, you know, I, you know, the people who love you support you to the extent that they're able. Mm -hmm. 
And that will vary with what's going on in their lives. And, and it's not personal. And it doesn't mean that they don't love you if they can't support you. It just means that maybe they don't have the bandwidth in a, in a particular moment when you're in distress to help. Yeah. I think that's kind of like um, a more truthful response. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. They were generally like the intention were good. They wanted to support and they were supporting, but to that extent. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Although, you know, it's funny because like now I'm thinking back, but no, yes, I have to say that I would, I have been very blessed with a very love and loving and supportive family, but we are all, you know, human beings with our stuff. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes our stuff clashes against each other, you know, but, um, but absolutely, I, I am grateful for my very loving family. And that's my immediate family and my extended family. There's uh, a lot of love and care and good intentions. Brilliant. And at the time you were facing these challenges, your daughter was young, right? How, how did you feel, um, you know, going through your journey and still having to cater for a child? Um. Oh, I'm sorry. My gardener's just arrived. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you hear the noise. I'm not wearing headphones. I apologize for that. I didn't, I didn't. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, let me see what, I'm going to just check in and see what, what yeah. was. While you, while you do that, I'll ask you, I'll tell you why I'm asking. Um, is because a lot of listeners are women and their mothers. And I think sometimes we feel guilty when we have to work on our stuff, if we have to cater for someone that can't do for themselves, right? Like a child. Right. Great. I see where you're going with that. Uh, I knew the whole time that the healthier I was, um, that, that my being healthy would benefit my daughter. Mm. And that, you know, it's kind of like what they say on the airplane, put your own oxygen mask on first. Like, I always knew that was my part of my work was to um, was to fulfill my calling and to be as healthy and happy as I could be. And I also felt that that was my responsibility, that no one was going to do that for me and that I had to do that. I had to do it for myself first and foremost. And then I hoped that I was modeling uh, behavior that would be helpful for my daughter. Mm, that's beautiful because yeah. they learn, you know, not by what you say, by what you, but by what you do. Yeah. And also kids are their own people too. So you don't really know how, what you do will influence them. But if you're being true to yourself and to, to, you know, if you're showing up and, and really supporting yourself, then you're modeling how to show up and support yourself. You're modeling self-care, you're modeling taking responsibility. And I love that word responsibility because if you break it up, you have response ability, mm. which is ability to respond. And really that's resilience. Yeah. You know, you have choices. And this is another thing is that you have choices about how to respond. A lot of times I didn't even know I had growing up most of my life. I didn't know I had choices about how to respond to what was going on around me. I just would react. Yeah. And so learning 
that I have responsibility, um, that's super helpful in terms of keeping me grounded. Of course, I forget and I react, but I generally can catch myself. I, I usually, I mean, it's very rare that I'm upset for a long, like for a week, like in the old days, you know, like if I had a fight with my husband, you know, we could be like in a passive aggressive standoff for weeks, right? Maybe not weeks, maybe a week. But now it's like, if we have any kind of conflict, you know, I'm thinking like, I'm not taking it personally. I know it's not about me. I know that he's struggling in his own way. And I might just say, you know, what can I do to help? Mm. And not take it personally and not think like, oh, I'm not a perfect wife. You know, oh, I said something that upset my husband. Oh, I, you know, oh my God, those days were exhausting. Mm. Oh yeah, I hear you. That's great. Uh, that's such good advice. I think uh, it's really helpful. Um, as you said, we model example. We don't just, you know, say it. This is why when you said, you know, we have so many experts that tell us what to do and we think we need to listen, but we don't see behind the scenes most of the time. And it's it's great when parents are really the experts, but they have the chance to model by acting instead of just saying. Yeah, and I'd like to add something to that. Mm. I've learned the hard way with just challenges that my daughter has gone through. I remember one time she was dealing with a difficult situation and I was trying to manage and control it and her. And I sat down to write in my journal, which my, I always say my journal keeps me honest. And what I wrote in my journal was, was what makes you think you know what's best for your daughter? Mm because she was, I don't know, a young adult at the time. She's still a young adult. But I thought, huh, she has divine wisdom inside of her. She is a separate person. She knows what's best for her. I may be her mother, but I don't know what's best for her. And it's really presumptuous and yucky of me and that's where I was. I thought I didn't know what's best for her, but I don't know what's best for her. She knows what's best. Her divine intelligence knows what's best for her. Yeah. Yeah, I need to check. I, I had to check in on that with uh, my sister because she's younger. And I I tend to think that, you know, she should be doing things differently. But, and that um, I'm glad you're saying that because that goes for every per every loved one in our lives. We think we know what's best for them, mm. and that is a, that position is incredibly presumptuous. Mm. Is everybody has their own inner wisdom and intelligence and guidance? Yeah, you know, different people can access it to different degrees. But who are we to say what's best for anyone else? No, we can't. Um, if they make mistakes and they hurt, that's the learning curve. Like we had to learn, right? Don't we all? I mean, yeah. don't we all make mistakes? Isn't that how we learn? Isn't aren't we enrolled in life school after all? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful. So let's go into the food because it's the first chapter of the book, and uh, I know I you. Want to clarify. Yeah. There's three, there's three sections. The first Section, section sections. That's what I'm. Yeah. So the first section is body, the second section is mind, and the third spirit is yeah. uh, section is spirit. Mm -hmm. And the, the it focuses on healing on the different levels, body, mind, and spirit, because in fact, the 
my healing process started with uh, a physical healing and then yeah. moved mental and spiritual healing. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I meant. The first uh, part that is body and obviously the food was one of the things that you had to really delve into because um, as you said, if my stomach is hurting, what am I putting in it that is hurting it? So um, you said at the beginning, you definitely were resistant to going raw straight away, even if you, even if you saw many, many accounts that explain that's actually really the way to heal. And funny enough, because yesterday I interviewed um, Brenda Davis. She, um, she's so lovely. And she, she said, you know, um, raw diets really are healing diets and they're particularly good when somebody has to heal from um, a, a disease that could be cardiovascular disease or could be um, cancer. Uh, she doesn't necessarily recommend them as lifestyle because of the things that they do miss. But she said that we can all implement raw food. And I think I'm at that stage where, although I'm not fully raw, I wanted to learn more about raw, which is how I get, I ended up on um, Christina's website, because um, there, is so much, there is so much goodness about it. And I must say that since I have more raw, I feel better. And um, the food is like this, this spiritual, if funny enough, uh, catalyst, because well, it's- the food is alive. Is alive. Exactly. So when you when you gave up to the resistance and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this. What was the first thing you 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 thought? What well, how were you prepared to actually dive into this new lifestyle and diet that you hadn't done before? Well, first of all, I want to reiterate that I was desperate. Mm. Okay, I I just I was desperate. So the first one of the first things I did, and I tell the story in the book was I, I, my maternal ancestors uh, are Italian and pasta was definitely my comfort food growing up. And the first thing I decided to do was to make myself a plate of raw zucchini pasta. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I made, I had, you know, I got a Vitamix, I got, you know, the, the, the equipment, I got a Vitamix blender, I got a dehydrator, uh, had a food, I had a food processor. Um, I made up, I made this fresh sauce, tomato, basil, garlic, red pepper, you know, I just made this lovely fresh sauce. And then I got this little spiralizing machine and I made some spiralized zucchini pasta. And I actually put, it was lunchtime and I actually put it in my fine china, which I usually reserve for special occasions and or just for dinner because I don't want my good china to not be used. But I put this plate of zucchini pasta in a, in a you know Lennox bowl with a gold rim, and I went outside into the back onto the back patio, and I sat there by myself and I ate this bowl of pasta. Now, in the past, what happened when I would eat a bowl of pasta would be I would feel like like there was an elephant sitting on my chest. Mm. That's how I would feel eating a bowl of pasta. But when I ate this bowl of pasta. Not only didn't I feel the elephant sitting on my chest, but I I kind of did have a spiritual experience. And that is that everything in my backyard suddenly felt alive, like the trees and the plants and the flowers and the sky. Everything felt vivid as if I had been sitting in the backyard like in a car with a dirty windshield and then somebody cleaned the windshield and I could see. 
that was one of my early experiences with raw food was that I could literally feel the life of the food. I was the food. You know, I was this living thing and everything around me was more alive. And that was an incredible feeling. It was yeah, I mean, it was really incredible. It's funny because, you know, I too am not 100% raw anymore. Um, and by the way, I just want to say, I want to just um, put out there that anybody who has disordered eating should not be contemplating a raw food diet mm. because, you know, people can people can get into trouble. You know, so I would just say like, you know, if you have any history or proclivities for for eating disorders, you know, this may not be the way to go. I mean, you know, I would I it's always good to add more living food to your diet. But in terms of limiting what you can eat, um, you have that that is a consideration that I just want to point out. I'm happy you say that because I had anorexia when I was younger and then I had a very, very bad relationship with food in my 20s. And um, I I was thinking maybe I could try raw, fully raw, but I saw myself already being like, okay, I can't have this, I can't have that and being very restrictive and then obsessed about what I was having. And I thought I can't do that to myself. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're saying that because I think it's really, it's really, really important. And, um, you know, obviously you were paying attention and listening and that's, that is super important. Absolutely. So, yeah, so it's great to eat. You know, I always say like, eat more live food, eat more fruits. And I even tell myself this, sometimes I get sloppy and I don't do that. Um, but, but eating more, like adding, it's like, it's not like depriving yourself. It's like add, add more fresh fruits and vegetables to your diet. It can only help you unless, like I said, unless you have disordered eating history or patterns or thinking, then it's, then that's not a great idea. But I do want to share a story with you after, I don't know, I think I was raw for four or five years. And then I was like, you know what? My stomach's feeling better. I miss warm food. I want to have something warm, you know? And I remember that I made, um, I think I made like some stir fried vegetables and tofu and some quinoa. And I hadn't had cooked grains in five years. And I made this dish. I went out onto the front porch. I sat there by myself and I was eating this food. And after the meal, I felt very relaxed. I felt very sleepy. And I realized that the food was acting like a drug, mm-hmm. that it actually was soothing. And and um, what's the word I'm thinking of? It was like anesthetizing. It was like, it was like, a, a, um, it was tranquilizing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, this isn't such a bad thing if I want to feel tranquil to eat some quinoa, Mm -hmm. you know, like that was, that felt, that felt, that felt really interesting and good. And, and I think at the end of the day, um, what helps me is thinking like, how can I nourish myself? Because I don't always, sometimes, you know, I just want to watch Netflix and eat a bowl of popcorn. Mm, Which is perfectly good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, like, I know how I feel. Like, I feel very, I feel like this body of mine is extremely sensitive. Mm. I feel like I can feel uh, 
I think the important thing is to bring conscious awareness to eating, mm. whatever you're eating, you know, and it's so, I think like we tend in this culture to just eat without consciousness. You know, like we're just, we're thinking about a million things. We're thinking about our to-do list. We're, you know, we're engaged in conversation. We're just, but we're not really thinking, we're not experiencing gratitude. Wow. You know, this food is delicious and it's nourishing and, and maybe it's not so nourishing or maybe it's not so delicious, but wow, isn't it great to be able to feed myself, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we can always feed ourselves the best food, but we're doing our best, you know, maybe we're sick or tired or we don't have the energy, you know? And so I think it's actually more important to be loving with ourselves around nourishment, around the idea of nourishment and food is that, Food is nourishment and, you know, and it's pleasure and it's um, companionship. And so I think to just be really gentle around our relationship to nourishment and food, I I think that's really more important than actually what you eat in some ways. Yeah, I've I've noticed in the past uh, as well that when I came out of my disordered eating, uh, I was binging every weekend and I was very strict through the week. Um, I was working out two, two hours a day. I was, I just was not in a good place. But when I met my now husband, he was very calming as a person. So we started eating at home together and really enjoying the calm, the calm conversations or just sitting there and enjoying the food without talking. And, and I started noticing that the approach I had to food, because it had changed, the food was being different to me. It was soothing me. It was nourishing me. Even if it was sometimes, I mean, it was still animal products at the time. We, I only went plant-based 10 years ago. Um, so it was still animal products at the beginning. But I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel horrible after. My digestion was fine. And... I was like, wow, the approach I had to that experience of having food versus when I was alone and I was eating quickly and I was in a rush and I was eating from TV or computer or email, or whatever. And it's, it just changed everything. You know, that, so you're right. The way that we eat, like that consciousness, that mindfulness around our food is one of the keys, whether you're eating a raw dish, a plant-based dish or something else. So I love that you said that. And I want to share a story with you. When my book came out, I was asked to write an article for, I don't remember the publication, but it was a vegan publication. And they wanted me to write an article and they gave me the title. The title was something like, you know, five reasons a vegan diet is the best diet for you. Right. And I had a problem with that with that uh, title. And I don't remember, I mean, it's it's been a while, but I think the way I, but I wanted the, I wanted to write the piece. I just didn't like the title. Mm. So I think that was the title. And I think my first sentence was something like, I can't tell you what the best diet for you is. Nobody can, Mm. but I can tell you that for me, a vegan diet has been the best, a raw vegan diet has been the best for me. And this is why, but this is just for me. And it would go, it goes back to that idea of what makes me think I know what's best for anyone else. And I, you know, I have chosen a vegan diet and I have been on a vegan diet for, I don't know, 20 years. 
And this is the diet that makes me feel the best in my body, in my, you know, this is just what works for me. But I will not say to anyone else that this is what will work best for you because I don't know. And, you know, there are medical people and there are, you know, dietary experts and all that. I am not that. I don't pretend to be that. I don't claim to be that. My book is a memoir about my experience, my healing experience, and it is personal. And maybe it has uh, universal um, significance in some ways. I, you know, we're all human. We all go through our own healing processes. But I am not here to say that that anybody needs to eat a vegan diet or a raw vegan diet, you know, to heal. Because the, the heat, everybody, we all have within us our own inner guidance system that tells us how we need to heal. I can only say this is what worked for me, but I don't know what's going to work for you. And you can trust your inner guidance to tell you, you know, if eating like chicken for dinner three times a week makes, fills you with joy and makes your body feel good, then I'm not going to say that this is not a good diet. Yeah, I think emotionally what you said makes perfect sense. You know, uh, the we can't even in my in my practice, I educate people about whole food plant based diets. But I also say I cannot force you to do it. But what I can suggest is that you increase your plant foods because ultimately this is what they do for you that animal products can't. But I will never be able to force anybody to give them up fully uh, if they don't want to. And I think wanting to do something because then you know your why is the key because if somebody forces you to do something you'll uh, you'll build up resentment you will uh, not even agree with the food probably because there is this um, somatic uh, reaction to what you're eating because it doesn't come from you so I think it's really important to have that personal choice you know with everything like we need choice if we don't have choice it doesn't sit right Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is like, we have to have awareness, you know, like sometimes I can get sloppy with my diet. And I, I say sloppy because, you know, plant based, like, you know, if I'm eating processed, I mean, like a little bit, maybe, you know, like, but I can feel I can feel when I'm eating whole food plant based versus processed plant based. Yeah, I feel it. I can feel it. Um. But what, what I was going to say something else about awareness. Um, yeah, like, 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 let's take, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> let's take, for example, someone who wants to lose weight, mm. right? They start to like, they may have a lot of willpower and they may think like, oh, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. And, you know, eventually though, if, you know, there's that, you can get that feeling of deprivation. Like I'm depriving myself. I really want that. Like, and they start, then they, then they think about, and I guess I'm, I'm saying they, but I think I've had this experience myself in my life because I was a dancer when I was younger and I had to maintain a certain figure. And so, so I was aware of these kinds of things and, and sort of plagued by them. Like I would think of the like foods that weren't super nourishing as treats but I think what happened when I did the, you know, when I, when I, when I got sick basically and realized I, I want to live, I want to eat to live, not live to eat. Mm. I want to feel good. 
And that was the only thing that was that was motivating this whole journey I went on was I want to feel good. And and, and, and food was just the first place where I started with that journey. So what can I eat that will make me feel good? Because eating potato chips and M&Ms didn't help me feel good. Yeah. Or stopping at 7-Eleven to get like a chocolate bar for energy. You know, maybe it felt good for 10 minutes, but then crash. So, so I really had to like, so I educated myself and I read a lot about nutrition and what I learned, what I, what, what shifted for me was that different things became my comfort foods and, and, um, and treats were no longer the foods that I went to earlier in my life for comfort and pleasure. You know, I started um, finding new comfort foods and I'm sitting here thinking, what were my comfort foods when I was 100% raw? Uh, I really liked warm soups, you know, like I would make in the in my Vitamix and I would just let it run for a while so that they would be warm. I also made raw flaxseed crackers mm. uh, that I enjoyed a lot. And I made some raw breads as well. Um, but I'm trying to think what were my, you know, like nuts and seeds, um, you know, like a handful of almonds became like a treat. Mm. Where I wasn't raised thinking that a handful of almonds could be nourishing or even delicious, but I got to that point where, yeah, that was nice. Or I would make um, wraps with leaves and I would make pâtés, you know, yummy, delicious pâtés, um, smoothies, you know, and it was delicious and fresh juices. And, and like, as I'm saying this, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to get off this call and I'm going to go eat. eat. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but I actually had some delicious nourishing like I didn't feel like I felt like I was nourishing myself in a way that I never had in my life when mm -hmm. I is transitioned to this uh raw food uh plant-based diet oh yeah I mean I'm obsessed with banana and ice creams I just I love bananas that you heard the conversation I had with Dr. Clapper I had to ask him if I'm, one can have too many bananas I was happy to hear no um and uh I How love I love bananas. So many people, there's like such debate over bananas. And I'm like, give me a break. Like, and if you love it. I love it. Banana. So, someone said to me, it's too much sugar. I'm like, well, my, my sugar is better now that I eat like 10 bananas a day than it was before. Yeah, so I would say like, if you're worried about that, like my mom used to like say, oh, I can't eat uh, avocados because of the cholesterol. But she ate cheese and she ate milk and she had milk in her coffee and she had, you know, meat and I mean, it, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, again, it was, it's her choice. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard when you've educated, it's hard when you've read widely in the area of health and nutrition and, and people, for me, this was a big challenge. Like, socially the raw food diet was very difficult mm. i wanted to uh, ask you that because that's 20 years ago right 
yeah. you went into it. So the scene now is so easy. Like every restaurant will have vegan options and raw options. But how was it then? Oh, it was, oh, that just didn't exist. It just, and all of the processed vegan foods that we have today, like I can go to a restaurant and order a vegan meal that has, you know, some processed food. And I mean, then, first of all, I would carry food with me everywhere. Mm. But my in-laws, like, oh my God, what, you know, and my relatives, like being with my relatives, they just thought I was crazy. They just thought, I, and I tried, you know, well, you know, I explained, like, I'm having chronic stomach problems. This helps my stomach. So that's kind of hard to argue with. Mm-hmm. But they just thought, like, you know, they just thought I, yeah, I was nuts. I mean, they just didn't understand. And, you know, and in some ways, like, you know, I had my judgments about what they were eating, too. But I tried not to, I mean, I, I'm sure that I sometimes screwed up. I'm sure that I sometimes just wasn't like the loving, compassionate presence, accepting. I know that that I there were pl- probably plenty of times when my stuff got triggered and I was less than um, grounded and clear and calm and present. But that was challenging that, you know, just being perceived by others as being uh, crazy. Although I do think also there were other, there were, there, there were people also in my life who respected what I was doing and told me so and appreciated it. You know, um, I did, I did lose a bunch of weight, which had not been my intention. Um, but I enjoyed this lightness of being that I experienced. Mm-hmm. I just, I did, I, I felt, um, I, I enjoyed that, that as well. But there were also people that were, you know, saying you look too, you're too skinny. And I knew that I wasn't in an eating disorder situation. I mean, I had never really, I didn't know anything about eating disorders. I had, it hadn't been a part of my life. I didn't really know anything about it, but, um, but I knew what I was doing was right for me. And I knew that I felt really well nourished and I felt healthier and more energized than I had been in a long time. So, uh, there was enough that was working in terms of like, this feels good to me, um, that kept me going for five years. And then, you know, after that time I was like, you know what, I really do. I feel good. And I miss, I miss some foods. I missed tofu. I missed, um, well at that time they didn't even have like the, the different kinds of pastas that are available, like gluten-free pasta. Cause I think I must have a gluten sensitivity. Possible, yeah. But I didn't realize that because now like I can I can have gluten free pasta. I can have but but not two big bowls full like I used to. Mm-hmm. My body just rejects that. It just says, I feel shitty. I have this pressure in my chest. I feel like I can't breathe. Like I can't but uh, I don't get that. Like if I have a small I can have a small amount of gluten free pasta and feel fine. Mm-hmm. I can have you know, like the, the seaweed pasta and the kelp noodles. I can have those kinds of noodles, which is really great because I missed noodles. Yeah. Zucchini noodles, which it, I don't know, like they just have a different consistency. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So it's been quite a journey with the food and, um, you know, I'm just reminded as I'm talking about all of this, that there's, there's so much delicious nourishing plant-based vegan food available today. Um, and it's what makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree and relate. I'm the same. 
Um, I must say that I had a weekend where we had a lot of cooked food because we were eating out. I have a friend that was visiting and I did miss my salad. Because I have this massive salad a day. Like, I just love it. And yeah. it's like, I just need it. And I missed it so badly. I never thought. I said, tomorrow morning, my breakfast is going to be a big bowl of fruit. I don't want to hear a thing. I can't eat a cooked thing anymore. And it was so funny because I, I never thought I would even say that. To me, raw was inconceivable before. Yeah. I like it. It's funny that you should say that because it reminds me, the first time I was exposed to the idea of uh, fruit in the morning... And there was a good reason for that was Harry, Harry and Marilyn Diamond. Mm -hmm. what, in the 80s, they wrote a book called Fit for Life. And I read that book and they said, it's really good to, to, eat, to eat fruit on an empty stomach. And the reason that is, is because when, when you put fruit on top of other, so fruit digests very quickly. You know all this, but I'll just say what I learned. Oh, so I learned that fruit digests very quickly. If you eat fruit at the end of a meal, the other food that's in there, it takes longer to digest. And so things start to ferment. Mm. So that's not good. So the best time to eat fruit is on an empty stomach. And the best, you know, the, the time when your, your stomach is the emptiest is in the morning. Mm. So, so fruit for breakfast is a great idea. And so that's when I started with fruit for breakfast. And I kind of, what, where I am right now is I kind of like this raw before four, four, mm. you know, yeah. I kind of like having, fruit for breakfast and maybe some tea and uh, a big salad for lunch. And I can, you know, I can put, I can put beans in my salad if I want, mm -hmm. or I could put like, you know, falafel or I could put something in my, but mostly like I need a big bowl of greens for lunch or I don't, I like it. Like this is how I, this is my optimal functioning diet, mm -hmm. big salad for lunch. And then for dinner, I can do some cooked food vegan food. If I want to do a processed food, I can do a processed food. Uh, but I also like to have like, I also like to have vegetables and maybe they're steamed or stir fried or whatever, but you know, it, maybe it's tofu, maybe it's the fake chicken, you know, whatever I want, you know, and if I, and I, if I want some gluten-free noodles or if I want some quinoa or if I want some like those miracle noodles, you know, like fine, I'm going to do that. Uh, and then at night, like I might allow myself like just a little treat of some like some kind of like a little a little square of raw chocolate or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do sometimes like popcorn when I'm watching Netflix. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like, um, again, uh, this is not a prescription. Mm. It's me sharing my personal feelings about food. And this comes from having read uh, you know, over maybe a hundred books about nutrition and, um, and that's, you know, it doesn't make me, you know, I don't say that I'm an expert, but I am pretty widely read in the field. And, you know, I've read a lot in the, in the, in the field of nutrition. Um, but I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not a health coach. You know, I'm a, a writing and creativity coach. And I help people get out of their own way so that what, what wants to come through them can come through. And we, we look at that on the level of body, mind, and spirit. Yeah, absolutely. One last question, as I know I'm taking so much of your time, but do you feel that changing your diet also opened up your creativity? Uh, do you feel like you had more to give? You were more, you were receiving more and maybe sharing more? Well, absolutely, because it has to do with my overall health. Mm. 
And so what I bring to my own creative work as a writer and as a coach and as a teacher, because I teach creative writing, uh, what I, I can only bring what I've got to give. Mm. And, you know, so that has to do with how well nourished I am, how calm I am, how grounded and centered I am, you know, like what I bring to the table, you know, is very much a reflection of how I care for my body, mind and spirit. Yeah, I would say that a plant based diet definitely can embodies all of those elements that are needed, because I definitely found that when I changed my diet, there was a lot of um, anxiety and pent up anger that wasn't mine. I mean, not that I don't, I don't, I don't get angry, but it wasn't my anger. It wasn't my frustration. It wasn't my dark feelings. It came from somewhere else. And when that animal, those animal products left my body, those feelings left too. So I think, yeah, yeah. I do want to say, as I'm listening to you talking, and again, this is just for me, Mm. this is not for anybody else. This is just for me. Uh, I learned about some of the ways the animals are treated and also what the hormones that they're given. Mm. And I just didn't want to take that into my body, mm. you know, cause I just felt like, you know, and I also, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons and I'm not like a plant, plant, whole food, plant-based educator, but when, but when I started to learn about what actually goes on, like in the meat industry and in the dairy industry, I was like, Ooh, I'm glad I'm not eating that stuff. Yeah. Cause it was very, um, it was, you know, um, I, you know, it was, I, I, the word that comes to my mind is violent. Yeah. It is. And murderous. And I just didn't, I like, that's not why I changed, you know, I wasn't thinking of those things when I changed my diet. But uh, I didn't want, I, I'm glad that I'm not participating in that. And I'm not like holier than thou because I probably participate in things that aren't so great for the planet and for life. But, um, you know, we all, we, we make our own choices based on, you know, based on what makes sense in any given moment in our lives. And, you know, if I were to say that I wanted to advocate for anything, I would say I advocate for love. I advocate for peace and compassion and how uh, how can we create peace first within ourselves? And that is our responsibility and that is an inside job. And there's never going to be peace in the world if we're not paying attention and waking up to the role that we play just within our own relationship to ourselves. Um, and that's that's what I am at. That's what I am advocating. I am saying, um, let's take responsibility uh, for our response ability. Mm. That's a beautiful way to end the conversation. Thank you so much, Bella. It was so nice to have you on. I loved our conversation. You have so much to share. It comes through your writing, as I said at the beginning, and I'm really, really honored that you took the time to speak to me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful being with you. See you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Bella. And thank you everyone for staying on for this episode. I hope you were as inspired as I was by it. And I can tell you this was not scripted, but it just did flow without a glitch because it came from the heart. So I love the conversation. If you liked the episode, please do share, like, and give us a review and check out the show notes for all the details on Bella's work because I think her books are such an amazing resource to have at home. 
for our own journey. So guys, I'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye.